Anyway, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter number 1, verse number 6. Therefore, when they had come together, the disciples now were with Jesus for several days after his resurrection. And then he was showing himself alive to many, up to 500 or more at a time, and uh, delivering truth, teaching them, helping them understand what they've learned over three and a half years and applying it, and, and, and no doubt hoping maybe they're going to get it, Right? So he's ready to leave. Therefore, when they had come together, they, the disciples, asked Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to, to, to Israel? In other words, uh, can we get rid of the Roman Empire? Maybe you can be king and we'll rule the world again. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The power you need is not the power to overthrow Rome. The power you need is the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and, and, and Samaria to the end of the, all the earth. So what he wanted them to do was take what they had learned and go speak it to everyone they could find. That alone would create a revolution on this planet. Amen? So Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, reveal truth to us. Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus and save those who need to be redeemed and bring back the backsliders today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Amen. There are many views of the days in which we're living. And there are many debating what kind of uh, circumstance we find ourselves in. And they're using the media, both, of course, television, radio, and internet, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, rapture of the church, in other words, when is Jesus going to come and receive the church? Will it come before the tribulation? Will it come halfway through the tribulation? Will it come all the way at the end of the tribulation first? Now, some espouse that the whole church, every Christian, is going to have to go through great tribulation before Jesus comes back to gather us away. I'll address that issue when I get a moment in the future. But today I want to give you the foundational truths, the sequences of what will happen according to the Word of God not the opinions of theologians, but straight from God's Word. What the Bible says will happen in these latter days, and we are living in those days, folks. Some say, well, I'm not interested in that topic. You need to be interested in this topic, because the stuff I'm going to read to you from God's Word will affect you, and you better be ready for it. Acts 1, verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. How many believe that actually happened? Okay. Then you have to believe the next part. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them, the disciples, in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, we're living in a day when not the culture, the culture's been doing this for a long time. Even the church, its pastors and leaders question the return of Jesus as to whether or not that's actually going to happen. The word predicted this is going to happen, the day and the culture we're living in. And Peter said, I want to remind you that in the last days, our days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. Oh my, we are in those days. They will say what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again. 
For from, from be, before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Nothing's changed. Yeah. There's nothing indicating that he's going to show up. I mean, there have always been wars and rumors of wars and, and, and storms and famines and all kinds of stuff. So it's all the same. No big deal. One of the signs of Jesus' return when people start saying, I don't believe he will return. Mark that. That's a sign. While his disciples were looking at him, he ascends on a cloud. It was the glory cloud, same kind of a cloud that came down over the Ark of the Covenant and in the Holy of Holies, and received him out of their sight. The way he departed, he will return. Behold, he's coming with clouds, Revelation 1, and every eye will see him, even they who have pierced him. And that's the second return, the touchdown of Jesus. So as Jesus left here on a cloud, he will return the same way. So that passage is referring to the return of Jesus, second coming. But there is a difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. The rapture is the catching away of the church, those born again by the blood of Jesus. The second coming of Jesus Christ is when he returns and the church, we return with him. In that appearance, every eye will see him. That's very easily done in the world we're living in today. Jesus will return in clouds of glory. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. Wow. It's going to be a huge army that's coming with Jesus. I'll be there. Hopefully most of you will be there. What a day that will be. Returning in clouds of glory. In the very glory cloud of Jesus. Now Luke records... Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. There won't be any question about who this is when he shows up. No question about authority when he shows up. Everybody's going to know, oh boy, he is back. But the next big event in world history will be 1 Thessalonians 4. That's on the agenda next. So that's why you need to be interested in this. The trumpet will sound... Jesus will shout, and faster than you can blink, will be snatched to meet the Lord in the air. The dead in Christ will rise first. We will follow on their heels, gathering together in the clouds to meet the Lord Jesus in the air. There we'll enjoy a family reunion with every loved one who's died as a follower of Jesus. We will be caught up together with them, meeting the Lord in the air. What a fun time that's going to be, just rising off this planet, amen, and watching them come from every direction at once. What a happy moment that'll be. Those loved, loved ones separated by death, they'll be reunited with us in a moment faster than you can blink your eyelid. Bam. We will ascend with Jesus into heaven. There we will be judged as believers for our works. In other words, we're born again or we wouldn't have made the rapture. So we're born again. So what's the judgment going to be? For our works, we will be rewarded accordingly as to what has been done for our king and his kingdom or not been done. Then we're going to get to sit down with Jesus for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Talk about a Lord's Supper. Talk about a communion service. Wow. And while all that's taking place with him, the Antichrist will have been revealed. He will rule a world where millions have gone missing. And no doubt... You're going to have all kinds of speculation as to what happened. The aliens have come back. The ones that have you know, started the human race have come back for some of us. Who knows what kind of stories they'll invent. 
He'll rule a world where millions have gone missing. The economies of the world will be collapsed. And the Antichrist will step in with his plan. He'll institute his plan using a mark for the reestablishing of the world's economy. The Great Tribulation will have begun. It spans seven years, according to Daniel. Three and one half of those seven years of amazing prosperity and peace. The world economy, world peace, all stable, everything looking good, but at a very high price. Because without the church present, the salt and the light, evil will rise at an unprecedented rate. Unstopped, nothing to get in its way, followed at the end of the first three and a half years of three and a half years of the wrath of God poured out on the planet in judgment for the evil that's brought a stench to his nostrils. It'll be similar to the days of Noah, Jesus said, just prior to the rain and the ark saving that family, God said he was done with the evil in the hearts of the human race. So after we've been with Jesus, and Jesus said, it'll be a similar day when, when all of this takes place that I'm preaching about. So after we've been with Jesus for those seven years, we will return, he will return the second time with the church, with the body of Christ, Zechariah 14. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move to the north, half of it to the south. We're talking a split on the Mount of Olives. Then you, will, then you shall flee from my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Okay? So they're heading for, for a place of safety. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah. He's talking about Jewish people. Uh, the king of Judah, thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints, all, not part, all, with you. So all of heaven is going to show up for this. It's going to be powerful. And those who flee will be partly the 144,000 Jews who have accepted Jesus as their Savior, causing a huge revival among the Jewish people. For all Israel shall be saved, Paul said. So the Mount of Olives will have split in two. The Jews that remain will be running for cover so that they can be preserved. And it says Jesus will return with all his saints. That's us. What will happen when Jesus physically returns? First, Jesus will stop the battle of Armageddon. Because listen, at the end of the seven years of tribulation, all nations of the world, their armies, will be gathered. When it says all nations, it means all nations. That means the United States is going to be there as well. And we're seeing it as it begins in our lifetime. In my lifetime, I have watched us move from an unflinching stand with Israel to the present questioning of Israel. Those in government moving to try to play the middle of the road in the Middle East, not clearly siding with Israel. So I'm praying in advance that God gives us a godly, spiritual president in the next election. Because if he wants America to prosper again, they who love Jerusalem shall prosper. And if we turn our backs on Israel for any reason, and if we fail to support Israel because of any form of pressure we're getting from other countries in the world. Listen, the United States, the United Nations does nothing but run America down. 
loves watching us fail and pulling the rug out from what we're trying to do. I don't have any idea why we taxpayers are funding them being here on our soil. Why is it we care so much about the opinions of nations that hate us? We must stand with Israel for biblical reasons and for our own well-being. If we step back from Israel, God will punish our nation. So we need strong leadership that understands the reason America has prospered. We are the greatest nation in the world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been the greatest ally and the singular reason that Israel has been able to survive. We have blessed Israel. We have armed Israel. We have funded Israel. And God will bless our economy. God will protect our country. But if we continue pivoting away from Israel, God will withdraw his hand from us and America will begin a decline. We must not forsake Israel. Here's why. For he who touches you, God said, touches the apple of his eye. Wow. And that was spoken to the Jewish people by the prophet of God. He who touches you, Israel, touches the apple of his eye. In the Hebrew, it means you stick your finger in God's eye if you touch Israel. So I'm praying for Israel because the first thing Jesus does when his feet touch the Mount of Olives, returning with ten thousands of his saints, Jesus riding that white horse, we clothed in white, Jesus will stop the battle of Armageddon. All nations will have gathered in the valley of Jezreel and Megiddo, Armageddon. It's about 200 miles long and 40 miles wide. It reaches all the way up into Damascus, which is called what? It's in Syria. And you can place millions of troops in that that valley. And their God will have gathered all the nations of the world. And it looks like every nation has turned its back on Israel. When Israel's about done, no more fight left in Israel or hope for survival. When the noose is around their neck, so to speak, all of a sudden the Lord Jesus himself plants his feet on the Mount of Olives, an earthquake accompanies his arrival. Jesus opens his mouth, and with the word of his mouth, innumerable millions will be killed in the valley of Armageddon. It's in the word, by the word of his mouth. And God says, I take it personally when you come after Israel. So watch this. When you persecute persecute the church of Jesus or the people of Israel, God takes it personally. He's listening to those who've been martyred as saints, believers in Jesus, at his throne, and he reminds them, I will take vengeance on those who did this to you. So when you vote in the upcoming elections, you examine where the candidates stand on these issues. You vote for those who take a biblical position, because that's critical not just for you, but for your children and our children's children. The prosperity of our country, our lives, our safety depends on who leads this country in support of Israel. And it's not political, it's biblical to support Israel. Secondly, after seven years of the rule of Antichrist, he will have set up one world religion. By the time he's done in seven years, there will only be one religion on the planet. At the end of the seven years of the rule of Antichrist, he will set himself up in Jerusalem to be worshipped as God. He will demand 
everyone on the earth worships him. He will set up the mark of the beast, and all that will have been in play. I remember as a child listening to pastors and evangelists preaching on the mark of the beast and the coming of the end of the age. And this teaching, you know, they would, they would talk about receiving the mark in your body. And it got my attention, kind of creeped me out a little bit, because back then there wasn't the technology there is today. And they, people would get tattooed or branded. That's how they would put the mark on you. They'd brand it on you somehow. No, right? it can be something as tiny as a chip. Right now they can ID your pet with an inserted chip in their skin. And they will put that kind of a chip in you or in your child at birth. And you'll always be able to track that person, track that child, ID them, because all the information about who they are is in that little device. Your whole life can be contained in a tiny little chip, and it's happening right in front of our faces today. That's why it's so relevant. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And boy, that's happening in our day. Technology is not evil. Its use can be. After Jesus destroys all the enemies of Israel, Jesus will take the Antichrist and the false prophet and cast them alive into the lake of fire. So watch the king of kings as with no doubt the same finger with which he cast Lucifer from his presence takes the Antichrist and his spokesperson, the false prophet, and casts them alive into the lake of fire. They will never escape their eternal place of punishment. They're locked there forever. Now remember, Satan is a counterfeiter. He's not a creator. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We call it the Holy Trinity. They have Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, an unholy trinity. The Antichrist, the political head, the false prophet, the spiritual head, these Jesus will cast into the lake of fire. Then he will command his archangel, Michael, to grab Lucifer, one of the brothers of the three archangels, and bind him and toss him into the bottomless pit to be sealed there for 1,000 years. So a little bit different take. God is taking on Lucifer compared to the Antichrist and the false prophet. They're in the lake of fire. They're not coming out. Lucifer's tossed into a bottomless pit and sealed there for 1,000 years. For now. Now, when the rapture church returns to earth, we will all come back in glorified bodies. Those who come through the seven years of great tribulation will still be in their natural bodies. For 1,000 years... Those that have lived through tribulation and have made Jesus Christ their Lord, listen, and gone through great tribulation in order to do that, they will reproduce, they will have children, their lifespans will be extended, be like Old Testament saints who lived into the hundreds of years. Lifespans will be extended during the 1,000-year rule of Jesus because he will have lifted the curse off the planet. But why at the end of the thousand years did Jesus release Lucifer from the bottomless pit for a short little period? Because every person, every person who finally makes it to heaven will have to choose Jesus. And only way that can happen is if they're tested and therefore have to make a choice. 
just like Adam and Eve had to make a choice in that garden. So those who come through great tribulation will have extended lifespans, will marry, will have children. We will be in glorified bodies ruling over cities on the planet, incorruptible bodies, bodies that can teleport through walls. Wow. Beam me up. Boom. You know, Leonard Nimoy, he was an Orthodox practicing Jew. Most people didn't know this until he passed. His, he, he created the whole concept of live long and prosper. He took that from the Aaronic blessing prayer. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And that was his way of pronouncing that in that entire environment of what we call sci-fi. Well, we're going to get to live that, okay? We get to teleport. This is what God's word says. And Jesus will come, listen, and, and, and assign to his people who have served him faithfully rulership, some over five cities, some over ten. We will rule and reign with Christ. And what are we going to do during that time? We will enforce Jesus' kingdom. Every principle, every concept that Jesus wants in his kingdom will be introduced and enforced and implemented throughout every city of the world. There will be no other religions. There will be no Islam, no Buddhism, no denominations, just saints reigning, ruling with Christ in perfection. Heaven will literally kiss earth. In addition to the Holy Spirit-inspired worship that we'll have of Jesus, there'll be an annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship Jesus in person. While he sits on the throne of David, you'll lift your hands and give praise to the one who died for your redemption. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. That'll be our thanksgiving to him. So if Jesus comes back while I'm preaching throughout this day, I pray none of you are left behind. It's possible that somebody will. What do I do if that happens? You better grab every CD on your way out of here you can get because you're going to need all the help you can get. If you couldn't make it now, you're going to have an awful time trying to make it then. And for 1,000 years, man will have, have been uninterrupted by the devil. For 1,000 years on earth, the kingdom of Jesus will have been established. There will be no tempter. There will be no one here to try to draw you away from Jesus. No temptations, no evil spirits. Human, 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 humanistic people with the philosophy of humanism, they philosophize that man is not innately bad. That if we were just put in a good environment and got out of the bad environment we grew up in, if we didn't have to say, the devil made me do it, for 1,000 years, there is no devil to blame. He will be bound in a pit. But those born during that time will still be wicked and still have the capacity to reject God. Why? Inherently, man is wicked. There is sin in our DNA. And without transformation through the blood of Christ, we cannot correct our behavior. We cannot make ourselves better. You can be educated to the maximum, but without Christ's redemption, you're just an educated sinner. Even in the perfect environment, perfect justice, perfect health, when tested, man without Christ will fall. He will lie, cheat, and steal. Man is wicked without Jesus. That's why we thank God for the cross. It's the power of the cross that transforms us, makes us righteous, cleanses us, sets us free from the powers of sin. 
Thank God for the blood of Jesus. It makes us appreciate the blood shed for us. That's why you should be at the table of the Lord at communion to give thanks to him for what he's done. Well, if I get some counseling, I can put it all behind me. Oh, no, you can't. So the scripture says, Jesus cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. No no temptation, no deceit. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. Because those born during a thousand years have to be tested. Now, before I get to that, I've got to stick this in because at the end of of the reign, at the end of the great tribulation, just before the reign of Jesus on earth, so you've got this seven-year period. It ends, the Antichrist, false prophet, cast in the lake of fire. It begins a judgment of the nations. And here's how Jesus put it in, in Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, okay, in other words, we see him as king, comes in the very glory of God around him and all the holy angels with him, he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. So there will be a judgment. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's the blessing of serving and reigning with Jesus. Amen? For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. He's already got the righteous in front of him. He's already got them taken care of. They're good. They're going into into glory with him. Now this is going to really mess with you. This is going to get into your theology a little bit. This is Jesus. He's judging the nations at the end of the great tribulation. He's going to judge nations. Remember, they've all gathered, by the way, and he's going to bring them to judgment. And and yes, this means in, in, in part of its context, we should feed the hungry, help people when they're in need, absolutely. Help those, visit those that are in prison, absolutely. But there's more in this context than just that. We are his church. We are already redeemed. His brethren are the Jewish people during the great tribulation. That's what he's just he's referring to. He's just come out of it. He says, those who stood with my people when they couldn't get food because they would not receive the mark of the beast, those who stood with Israel when political pressure was so great, listen, watch, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me, and naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Jesus will judge nations. That's the context. These are entire nations according to how they treated the nation of Israel and treated his word. 
And he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. After the judgment of nations, listen, the only people on earth will be the saints in glorified bodies. And then I'll, I'll explain a few others. Jesus will have set up his kingdom. He will be ruling from Jerusalem. The earthquake when Jesus returns will have raised Jerusalem up into a height of a mighty mountain. The Jews who lived through the Great Tribulation will be here present as well in their natural bodies. Jesus will set up a kingdom for 1,000 years, and those who had rejected Christ will be in eternal punishment by now. And during the 1,000-year reign of Christ, there will only be believers in the kingdom, plus the 144,000 Jews that I'll tell you about in just a second, and all of those that they've won to Jesus in turn to accept him as Messiah. And those 144,000 divided by 12, there's a certain amount from each, equal amount from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Watch how they're going to get saved. And here's how they will be saved. God will send two witnesses to the Jews in the middle of the Great Tribulation. And I believe every word of this book. I believe the axe head swam to the surface of the Jordan. I believe Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. I believe a donkey talked to a prophet. I believe his word. In Revelation 11, these witnesses come to earth. They stand in the streets of Jerusalem and they ignite a revival. That's when 144,000 are born again and become evangelists in the middle of the Great Tribulation. Elijah and Enoch are the only two who did not die natural deaths. And they ascended into the presence of God in their natural bodies. And, and the word says, I will give power to my two witnesses. Now watch. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut up heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. So Antichrist will not be able to harm them because they have a time of appointed ministry to preach about Jesus. No matter the hell that you live in, God can protect you. God can preserve you. And no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's the God we serve that we're reading about right here. And these two will defy Antichrist and preach that Jesus to the Jews is the way, the truth, and the life, and that they need to receive him. Remember the promise, and all Israel shall be saved. Can you imagine? Satellite trucks are out everywhere. Fox is there, CNN, ABC. What's happening? Where do they get this kind of power? Because the Antichrist forces open fire on them with rocket-propelled grenades and automatic weapons, and, and they don't touch them. They are consumed by the fire of the word of God that comes out of the mouths of the prophets. So every force the Antichrist sends against these two are annihilated. And the whole world will watch this happening. But when they finish their testimony, in other words, they preach the gospel to the Jews. The beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Oh my goodness. 
He will gloat over killing them. Trying to make the whole world believe, see, all the time I had more power than they have. And in his pride, he commands they remain dead on the streets for three days. Don't bury them. Leave them there for the whole world to see who I am. Big mistake. The devil never learns, especially the three-day lesson. He never learns the three-day lesson. Never gets this one. Breaking news. Will not allow their dead bodies to be put in graves, and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them. They're going to have a party. This is going to be their Christmas. They'll make merry, send gifts to one another, because the two prophets who tormented them and dwell on the earth, and now these three and a half days, the breath of life of God enters them, and they stand on their feet, and great fear falls on those who see them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come on. Job's finished. Get up here. And they ascend to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and the tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to God of heaven. Yeah, I guess you would, wouldn't you? Amen? So after, the, so after, then, then after that begins the judgment of nations, then the thousand-year reign of Jesus, and Satan is loosed for a little season. When the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. So once again, he tries to round up a whole group of people that will follow him. Because from the beginning of his separation from God, his issue was pride. His issue was, I want to be worshipped as God. His issue was, I will have a following. I will be God to these people. And and this is what he does. He goes out and takes those born on the earth during the 1,000-year rule of Jesus and entices them, tempts them. And like Adam and Eve in the garden, they yielded the temptation and they went up to the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. In other words, they come all around the city. They surround the city of Jerusalem And the moment that they've gathered right where God wants them, the fire comes down from God out of heaven and devours them. And the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. So here's where you're going to rule. Okay, you wanted a kingdom? This is your kingdom. Where there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's where you're consigned. And they will be tormented day and night forever. And ever, and that makes somebody want to say, Thank you, Lord. But as for our Savior and our King, this is our destiny with Him in His kingdom. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over His kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, we will be with Jesus forever. Amen? And here's how Jesus rewards those who have been faithful. Well done. The king exclaimed. This is in the context of him ruling his king. This is the king speaking, King Jesus over his kingdom. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. Wow. Pretty cool, huh? I promise you, any of us assigned to that great responsibility of being a governor, we will not be signing into law stuff that defies the principles of Jesus' word. We will not defy the God that we now serve. We will not in any way go against the principles of his rule and rulership. 
None of that will be permitted, allowed, tolerated, or ever even suggested under the rule of King Jesus. Understand that the power of the blood of Jesus has so elevated you that in the next world, about to dawn, believers will get to rule and reign with Jesus. What a great honor he's giving us. Behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion. He shall have dominion from sea to sea. The whole earth will be his dominion. And there'll be one universal faith and one universal government and it's Jesus' kingdom, period. No more separation of church and state abolished under the reign of Jesus. It's the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. The policies and principles of Jesus' kingdom will be taught and enforced throughout the world. One Lord, one faith, one Savior, no denominations, one who rules and reigns forever. Listen to me. We will worship not cults, not denominations, not theological aberrations. We will worship the Lamb. And the people will say, let's go to Jerusalem and see our King. That's a preview of great things yet to come, just ahead of us. So don't allow the economy or stuff you get caught up in, earthly dramas. Listen to me. Jesus is returning. And when he does, everything as you know it is going to change. Everything. So get perspective. All the stuff you're looking at now is temporal. It's not going to be here. It's gone. Everything that you're looking at in his kingdom is eternal. It'll last forever. Get your eyes on the eternal. According to John 14, we've even got a mansion in our future. Tell your neighbor, you have a mansion in your future. Do you understand how much Jesus loves you? These temporary light afflictions will be counted as nothing compared to the glory awaiting his people. When we get so caught up in the worldly, earthly stuff, and we wonder and we worry and we whine about all kinds of things, all of that is working an exceeding weight of his glory. And remember, God's going to settle the score. He's going to open the books. He's going to bring justice. You ought to be excited about that. It'll be fair. It'll be just. It'll be righteous. Somebody ought to give him thanks. Because of his kingdom, there shall be no end. So, it's all worth giving up the booze, giving up substance abuse, giving up sex without a covenant marriage. Don't talk to me about what I'm giving up. <laughs> Look what I'm gaining. Look what's before me. You may not have attained much money here, but the least expensive thing in heaven is gold because they paved the streets with it. So you ought to give God some thanks. We're heading for a fantastic future. That's exciting. And this same Jesus is coming back in a cloud of his glory. <laughs> some glad morning when this life is o'er. Ah, fly away. So get your families ready. You need to sit down with your, even if they're adults, and somehow they're backslidden or you got born again later in life and 
didn't have a chance to speak to them when they were children. You gather them around. Whether they want to hear you or not, and let them be reminded, you better be ready. We're living in precarious days, and I don't want you left behind. Get your children in the safety of the blood of Jesus in your house, because a storm is about to break on this planet. Tribulation is breaking out in the world already. It's all on the timetable of God. So Christians, hear me, wake up. Your salvation is closer than ever. We become so earthly, so carnal, we don't even think about heaven because we're all into our own culture. But you ought to be able to give God the pleasure of your worship every single day of your life because the best is yet to come. Amen. The best is yet to come. There are, listen to me, get on your feet and give thanks to God. Everybody, come on. Give thanks to God. Say thank you, Lord, for redemption, for forgiveness, for heaven, for stuff I didn't deserve that you're giving to me freely because you love me.